Welcome to Episode 7 of the Toxic Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Lillian Lalo. In this episode, you'll hear from Margaret Angel, an outspoken Black woman who's tired of multi-level marketing companies using the Black Lives Matter movement to promote their products. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, June 18th, 2020. Black Lives Matter movement has reinvigorated energy and passion behind it, fueled from the heartbreaking and disturbing murder of George Floyd at the hands of a white police officer. Floyd's murder happened shortly after the deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. All were black and unarmed. In the show notes, I've linked an article from DoSomething.org that has more information on these three tragedies. In 2013, when I was a traditional news reporter, I covered some of the first Black Lives Matter protests that began after Trayvon Martin's murder and George Zimmerman's acquittal. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous when I was sent to cover those protests. I was afraid the protesters would look at me, a young, white, female reporter holding a giant camera, and maybe resent me, maybe yell at me. But that wasn't the case. In a way, my camera was seen as a life raft. At times, the protesters would passionately chant towards my camera and tell me how they were feeling, which is simply, at absolute minimum, Black Lives Matter. Now, watching this movement unfold from the perspective of a viewer, it's amazing to see the way Black Lives Matter has grown and spread around the world with all races, ages, genders, and political affiliations working together, fighting for policy change. Black Lives Matter is no longer a radical idea. It's mainstream, and it should be. June 1st through 7th, I enjoyed observing and participating in the Amplify Melanated Voices Challenge on social media. Those who participated shared and promoted content from people of color. Because of that movement, I found Margaret Angel on Instagram and YouTube. So if you haven't seen me before, hi, my name is Margaret. I post anti-MLM, humorous, and beauty content on my channel. Margaret is 25 years old. Her makeup is always glam, and her personality is vibrant and warm. She's funny, with biting observations and comments on multi-level marketing companies. So, of course, I love her. You have every right to think they're annoying. Because I do. 100%. Margaret says this new generation of protesters has lived through enough injustice. We are the kids that saw Trayvon Martin's murderer walk free. We're the kids that watched Mike Brown's police officer get off. We're the kids that saw Philando Castile's police officer get off. So we're tired. Mm-hmm. And at that time when we're younger, we don't really have, you know, our parents were probably scared. Oh, no, don't go out there. Don't do this. Don't do that. We don't want to die at the hands of the police. We know better. We know we can protest. We know we can walk. We have rights and we can speak. We don't want this to happen on anybody's watch. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's frightening. She was fired up when MLM independent consultants began using the Black Lives Matter movement to promote their products. Here's some clips from one of her posts. When you see a post like that, are you going to comment and say, hey, take this down? I implore you, if you are an ally or you're black, 
I implore you to speak up. When you see this, shut it down. When you see a like post like this, shut it down. The insensitive and beyond tone-deaf post involved the importance of breathing while selling an essential oil or promoting a workout. If you're interested in seeing those posts, I've linked Margaret's video in the show notes where she addresses them in detail. Oh, yeah. I was cussing them out. I wasn't holding back (laughs) because you just don't do that. I mean, if you want to pray on everybody, I mean, come on. Like, you're already praying on the sick, stay-at-home moms, leave a a marginalized group of people that are already suffering from oppression. Leave that alone. In the past, she was involved with two different weight loss MLMs, which y'all know how I feel about weight loss MLMs from episode three. But she eventually realized that MLMs were not a solution to problems. They are the cause of problems. Margaret is one of the only black women that we've found currently speaking out against multi-level marketing schemes. I have not found any other real um, growing black YouTuber that talks about uh, anti-MLM. There's someone that I follow called Choice TV, T-R-O-Y-C-E-T-V. He did explain how he, out with his platform, was solicited because he was a black person um, for this MLM. And this MLM really does capitalize off of minority people called TLC. A lot of people, if you go through my comments, have been asking me to talk about that. That TLC company stands for Total Life Changes. It's a health and wellness MLM. More minorities should be speaking out because you do have MLMs that are allegedly more predatory towards lower income people. Exactly. Exactly. As far as marginalized groups, because you have, I've heard allegedly like Herbalife and Latinos, that's yeah. one thing. And then you have TLC with African-Americans and it's just like, and, but the big earners with TLC are also African-American, but they don't realize they're hurting other black people. A criticism you will often see with makeup and skincare MLMs is that the range of foundation colors are usually a variety of white shades and then one or two dark colors. I asked Margaret to comment on the lack of cosmetic shade varieties available in MLM makeup companies, as well as mainstream brands. She told me a story about going to a popular makeup store to try on a new foundation with one of her white friends. Margaret was sad to see that the darkest shade matched her skin, but other women darker than her would not be able to purchase from that line. I was like, this is so sad. The darkest shade is is basically my shade. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I mean, they, they'll take time. They need to understand the chemistry and how other people's colors are. I said, no, 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 no. There's been a broad spectrum of from white to dark, dark, dark on this planet forever. Forever. Forever and forever and forever. So imagine if somebody who is even, because I'm not really a dark skinned person. I'm brown, but I'm not really dark. So imagine if someone a few shades darker than me goes up in the store. They're getting ready for a wedding. They're getting ready for something. And they see everyone else being able to pick out foundations and they can't. They see everyone else being able to find a perfect blush and it just keeps making them look like a clown because the contrast is too poor. That black girl matters too. Now people will say, oh, well, because the argument used to be, well, a lot of darker skinned people don't wear makeup. No, no, no. You didn't make makeup for darker skinned people. That's why they didn't make it. It's the opposite. You know, imagine that person going in that dark skinned child looking... And let's say, you know, they got a lighter parent. They're watching their lighter parent because black, hey, we're all spectrums. My mother was way lighter than me. So watching your lighter skinned mom try on foundations and stuff. And then you little looking at the counter and knowing that you cannot fit in with that. There is a broad level to this. There's, and it's not just like, oh, we're crying. No, no, no. 
the, the, the things need to change. Things need to change. We need to feel included on all levels. We want to feel beautiful too. I've luckily never really had the issue to where I couldn't find my shade. Sometimes I got to mix things up, but a lot of us don't have that luxury, and that's unfortunate. Margaret also drew some parallels between the people involved in the anti-MLM community and those passionate about the Black Lives Matter movement. We talk about people that are lied to every single day. We talk about people that are being sold dreams every single day, financially gouged every single day. We talk about people that cannot financially advance. So that makes a lot of sense why a lot of anti-MLMers are on the side with the Black Lives Matter movement, because this is literally pretty much all we dissect all day long is injustice. I think white people can get paralyzed about speaking up for black people because they don't want to say anything offensive. And that phenomenon was named by Dr. Robin D'Angelo. She calls this white fragility, which means being in a state where even a minimum amount of racial stress triggers fear, guilt, and silence. She writes that, quote, these behaviors in turn function to reinstate white racial equilibrium and prevent any meaningful cross-racial dialogue. I've linked an article from The Conscious Kid in the description box where they interviewed D'Angelo. That, here's the thing with Black Lives Matter. It does not work unless you have allies. This whole movement does not work unless you have white people on your side because yeah. white people are still the majority. So we can get out there and we can walk and all that kind of stuff and we can march and we can protest, but it's up to the majority to help us so that way these laws can get passed and change can happen. Racism works against everyone, every single body. And anyone that is neutral in this is on the side of the offender. I remember studying Jim Crow laws in history class and learning about those separate water fountains and bathrooms. I read To Kill a Mockingbird. I've walked through the Birmingham Civil Rights Museum many times in my hometown. It's located right across the street from the 16th Street Baptist Church, which was bombed by the KKK in 1963, killing four young black girls attending Sunday school. On Sunday morning, September 15th, it was youth day, right after Sunday school. Addie Mae Collins, Carol Robinson, Denise McNair, and Cynthia Wesley are getting ready uh, to go into the choir. That was enough to pull people off the fence. Kids are supposed to be safe at church. This is not supposed to happen in America. We're above this kind of thing. And so this was the catalyst to get some things moving. At Ole Miss, I frequently walked past a statue of James Meredith. The statue serves as a reminder of the National Guard being called in so that he could attend college at the then-segregated university. James H. Meredith is formally enrolled at the University of Mississippi, ending one chapter in the federal government's efforts to desegregate the university. The town of Oxford is an armed camp following riots that accompany the registration of the first Negro in the university's 118-year history. Meredith is still alive and is 86 years old. I've been to the location in Mississippi where Emmett Till was murdered because he allegedly whistled at a white woman. He was only 14. In journalism classes, we studied the profound impact that the image of his beaten face made on the world. His mother wanted people to see it. Emmett's mother couldn't actually conform to the conventions of the time, and she did something really quite remarkable. She made the really unorthodox choice of having a funeral with an open casket that was going to be very widely publicized, that was going to be attended by the national press. She wanted civil rights leaders and political leaders to see what they did to her child. She invited David Jackson and Jet Magazine to take pictures of this child's battered body. And these images were widely circulated. 
In 2015, I covered the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday in Selma, Alabama. I felt honored to work closely with the team at CBS 42 on that project. We watched hundreds of people, including President Obama, cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge hand in hand. The American instinct that led these young men and women to pick up the torch and cross this bridge, that's the same instinct that moved patriots to choose revolution over tyranny. It's the same instinct that drew immigrants from across oceans and the Rio Grande. The same instinct that led women to reach for the ballot, workers to organize against an unjust status quo. The same instinct that led us to plant a flag at Iwo Jima and on the surface of the moon. And that night, there was a beautiful orange sunset in the sky. Before I started covering the Black Lives Matter movement in 2013, I would look at our dark history in Alabama, Mississippi, and then around the country and even the world, and I would think how glad I was at that time in history was over. But it's really not over. Racism just looks different now. It's sometimes not as clear as separate water fountains and bathrooms. And as a white person, that is uncomfortable. It's easier to turn a blind eye and say that you don't see color or race, but black people want us to see them. We need to acknowledge that life is different for people with darker skin. And yes, we've come a very long way since the 1860s when people could own slaves. And we've come a long way since the 1960s. But there's still work to be done. I've linked an article in the show notes called Guidelines for Being Strong White Allies, which is a PDF document adapted from the book Uprooting Racism, How White People Can Work for Social Justice. So what now? If you're white, what do you do when this podcast ends? Margaret has a great call to action. You know what I will tell you, my friend, honestly, I want you to speak from the heart. That's all I want you to do. If you see, just like in my Black Lives Matter video, if you see something or something rubs you the wrong way, I need you to vocalize yourself and speak up and be that ally that we need in our movement. Because like, Black people, we're strong. Obviously, we're out there getting tear gas, getting shot, and the allies too. Imagine if we didn't do this. George Floyd would have just been another black man with a knee in his neck and no justice. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. That is a problem. And I need people like you and myself and the latter. We need, we can't be afraid to speak out. And if we ruffle feathers, then that means they're listening. And also always say, if I do get something wrong, I'm open to the education to understand the difference. If I do get something wrong, I'm open to the education to know what to say next. I am not black, but I am your ally. Toxic Positivity is written, produced, and edited by me, Lillian Lalo. Script review and consultation provided by Grace Wilson, Cameron Edgeworth, and Margaret Angel. Original music by Grace Tillman. Truly empower the people you love by sharing this podcast in the links listed in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe. The more positive engagement this podcast receives, the more likely it is to be used as a resource for someone that needs to hear this information. Remember, you are not alone. You have not failed. Let's expose the truth and make a difference.